going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Niche on Niche. Thank you again for tuning in, clicking on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to. We appreciate you for taking your time to listen to us. Uh, once again, I'm here joined by uh, my co-hosts. This is Rachel. Derek. And and yeah, we're here. We got a special guest. Uh, we have Elizabeth Franco here. Elizabeth, if you want to say hi to everybody. Hi, everyone. She comes uh, talking through Zoom. If y'all didn't know, we record these podcasts while we Zoom so we get to see each other. Um, I know some people might think that maybe we're in a room together or anything like that, but we are properly social dis- distancing, like responsible mm. adults. Um, but but yeah, we're excited to kind of talk to Elizabeth here. Um, she just started coming to our church uh, pretty recently, I guess. Everything seems recently when we're in a pandemic, you know, like I think I knew when you came to our church, but because of the pandemic, I really have lost about any a idea. year, about a year. Okay. Yeah. Fr- that's crazy. A year, right? <laughs> like, you know, what's crazy. I always talk about I always tell James Wilson that I feel like you've been at our church for like 10 plus years when it's only been like three. Because right? <laughs> like it- I lose. Oh, Is it because I talk a lot at church? <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know. But for me, maybe time just does not move as fast. Time in the quarantine is weird. Yeah, time, time is in the an quarant- abstract concept now. <laughs> That's a new meaning. Yeah. Ooh, getting deep. <laughs> we're 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 only like what a minute in. You're getting deep with us, huh, Rachel? Look at that. <laughs> um, but um, we're so grateful to have Elizabeth here. Um, she's just gonna she's gonna share with us, you know, kind of. You know what she does. Uh, we'll get to know her a little bit better. Um, but before we uh, just, you know, start going into those conversations like we usually do on Niche on Niche, um, you know, the school year just started for a lot of people recently. And uh, our, the three people that are opposite of me all are in school in some different ways. Uh, you know, Rachel and Elizabeth are both educators. Derek, you're a student. Uh, so how's how's kind of the start of the school year been for y'all hmm. who wants to go first let's have the student go first <laughs> okay I'm sure mine's been the most basic out of everyone um but I will say um learning on a computer is so different from learning in person and I've, I guess I'm pretty experienced at it now because we've been doing it for the past like six months um but I would say lectures through a computer really highlight how good your professor is or how bad because I have some of the same professors as I did before. And like the ones who are good, I'm like stuck to the screen, paying attention for like two, three hours, no problem. But the ones who are bad, man, it is hard paying attention to some professors for even an hour sometimes. Um, so I would say it really highlights um, the good and bad qualities of different professors and also your ability to stay engaged as a student. So it's been a challenge. Mm-hmm. You want to share with them just the technological issues that you had to deal with sometimes? Technological issues? Well, I guess this goes across the board for all of us, but man, the bandwidth issue for internet, Mm. all that kind of stuff has been really rough. Um, Oh, oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, you want to go share? Yeah. um, (laughs) I had a professor who we we started class at 8 a.m., on Wednesday so this is our first time waking up at 8 a.m we're all tired we're all ready and then he logs in for like 10 seconds starts talking and then cuts out and doesn't appear back until like 8 30 and we're all about to leave and then he starts talking again and then cuts out and basically he keeps cutting in and out for like an hour and and finally, after about an hour, his, his Wi-Fi starts working and is able to uh, actually teach. But, man, it was rough. Yeah, I just can't even. I mean, in your situation, I guess you guys are all, like, adults who are sitting behind the screen. And you guys are able to, like, understand the situation and be like, oh, okay, internet sucks. That sucks. Yeah. But then, like, for me personally, it's been so hard because I'm working with fifth graders. And... Just getting them to show up to our meetings is sometimes hard. Um, And then having to explain to them how to get certain resources, like you have to go to this platform and get this file. 
And I don't know how many times I have to repeat the same things over and over again and show them how to do it over and over again, yet they still don't do it. Either because, <laughs> oh, I couldn't, I couldn't hear you or I couldn't see you or what are we doing? <laughs> like some shape or another, it's just the listening is not there. The internet is not there <laughs> and the engagement is still so hard. So it's been a struggle for me in terms of technology. And because now that we're adding um, internet access and technology access into the equation when it comes to teaching, there are just so many new variables now that I just can't pinpoint where to start with students. Mm. So it's been tough. But it's also been really, really fun because it's been providing a lot of new opportunities for me and my mentor teacher. So overall, it's been great, but tough. How about you, Elizabeth? <laughs> so I've been learning a lot about technology and little apps that there are. Um, it has been hard teaching them because I don't know how they're receiving the material. Like mm -hmm. usually in the classroom, I'm like, I can, I'm teaching them and I know what they're understanding based on the looks of their in their faces and things like that um so what i'm using is a lot of pear deck a lot of mm. um, google forms and like repeating the same message repeating the same thing like 10 20 times oh, yeah until everybody is on board so i'm on i'm constantly checking okay how many participants do i have on zoom how many participants do i have here how many, how many people turned in this? Who am I missing? Mm -hmm. And constantly like calling, calling like students out like, hey, you forgot to send this in. Make sure to send this in. Now we're on this side. Mm -hmm. The good thing is that last semester I was um, recording videos. So I still have my doc cam here and I'm using that to do the lessons as well. Nice. So nice. for math, that's important because I don't know what I would do without my doc cam. Mm -hmm. and I'm having them as well I teach high schoolers by the way mm -hmm. I teach 11th and 12th graders so they're able to do these things mm -hmm. I cannot imagine little kids <laughs> telling them to, to fill out a google form yeah. I that's, Man. that must be so hard yeah it's been a lot of but fun watching what Rachel does because she'll get like her kids to either um, film themselves doing videos for like PE and doing different activities or using various different platforms for like science class. It's so interesting because it really forces you guys to get creative. And there's so many different platforms that you guys can use now. Yeah, it's fun. But again, let's stress just the learning curve mm. for the use yeah. of technology. Because I can't assume that they all understand how technology works, right? Yeah. So yeah. I honestly recommend you a lot. I'm using Pear Deck so much. Like, because they can draw on it. The mm -hmm. students can draw on the slides and I can see what they do. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've been doing with them. I've, I've had a lot of participation with that because it's anonymous. Nice. Mm. See, so, that's something well, that I wanted yeah. to kind of ask to do, to push out. But I think we're just hesitant to add on more apps because it's uh, like, ugh, again, yeah. how much can they handle right now? How we're literally, step step. yeah, we're literally doing everything step by step. And even yeah. though we think we're going really slowly and really explicitly stating what it is that we're doing, it still does does not click sometimes. Yeah. So I don't even know how we would introduce <laughs> another app. <laughs> if in class we repeat things 10 times online, we're repeating it 30. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And there's some kid on the chat that says, what are we doing? Oh. <laughs> Always. Oh. Always. Um, so for those of you who don't know, Liz is teaching calculus right now, which is amazing to me because that was the hardest subject for me. I always thought I was good at math from kindergarten to 11th grade until I took calculus as a senior and I just could not get it. Like Rachel, she took calculus the year before, so she was kind of like my tutor. And she, we had a lot of long nights with her just trying to teach me things. It just couldn't click for some reason. It was really hard for me. Um, but somehow you're teaching that and, and you're trying to get your master's. But I want to hear a little bit about your journey before you got to where you are right now. Can you tell us, you know, where you came from, how you got to this point? Um, what were some of the factors that led to you even becoming a teacher? Um, yeah. Tell us your story. So 
From where do you want me to start? Exactly. <laughs> Wherever you feel comfortable starting. Um, so one of the reasons I became a teacher is because throughout my life, I actually transferred through 12 different schools. Wow. So um, I went to private, I went to charter schools, I went to public schools, and I did a year of virtual school. And I noticed the difference. I noticed that I noticed the differences in in school systems. I noticed um, when we changed areas. For example, private schools, the culture of private schools mm-hmm. and the culture in a public school were very different. Um, it was so I noticed all of those changes, and I also felt like my needs weren't met or. Or at times, the school system didn't help students who were going through a similar struggle like I was. And I wanted to become a teacher because I I lived through those experiences. I lived through going through 12 different schools. Um, I lived um, in an experience where my family all lived in a studio. It was six of us, my grandma and my aunt, so eight of us wow. in one studio. And I... I know what it's like living in those situations and I wanted to teach kids who who might be going through the same situations I am because I know what they need to to go to college and graduate mm-hmm. like I did. I graduated um college summa cum laude. Wow. Through all the struggles I um I worked through all my four years. It was insane I'm sure (laughs) yeah it was insane but going through all of these things I I love being a teacher because I'm able to help students who are going through similar things I am Mm. I think that's so great because that says a lot about you just as a person right because you are able to relate to your students and you really want to reach out to them Right. It's not just another thing that you're just like, okay, I guess I'll do it. But you feel really impassioned and empowered to do that. And I think that's what makes teachers so powerful and so needed in our society. Right. And last time when Monica was here, we were talking about how difficult it is to sometimes navigate this field of education. Um, But for you, since you've seen so many different cultures of schools, like you said, I'm just so interested to just dive into that. Like, what have been some of your most difficult experiences as a teacher? And what have been some of like the most um, like proud moments, a really huge like aha moment for you in this field? So I actually started teaching when I was 19. Ooh. I was still in college. I taught, I was teaching high schoolers. And it was really difficult to teach in, and I was teaching at a private school. Um, they, I had a difficult time there because the parents saw me so young mm. and they thought because I was so young, I did not have the capacity to teach the students. Mm. Although I taught them the material, I did, I did well that at the the school asked me to come back the next year they did not want me to leave mm. but I, I I felt like I needed to go because I needed to do different things for I was going into my senior year of college mm-hmm. and I was getting ready to move out of Puerto Rico I was getting ready for my teacher certificate I was getting ready for my next step um so it was really difficult that year mm. it was difficult because of the bias that the parents had mm-hmm. mm. And they, from the beginning, they were like, she's too young. She's not going to succeed. And so that type of mentality, they, they, um, they, they filled the students' minds with that, with those thoughts. Mm. So when they would come to the classroom, they would already come with a certain bias. Mm -hmm. And I had to, for a whole school year, go against that bias that the students had. That was the most difficult thing I yeah. did. And like the level um, of respect yeah. varies a lot, right? If that's the case. Yeah. I had to be very strict. And I'm I'm pretty strict the first couple of months. But I had to be 
I had to be, I had to make sure that they knew my boundaries. And I, I felt like if it were not because of how the parents perceived my, me being really, really young, I mean, perceived me as not being able to like teach their kids and things like that. I feel like the school year would have gone a lot better. Mm. And then the one thing that I, I've looked at my, I've looked back when I'm teaching and I'm like, wow, I did that. Um, that same school year, Yay. I was full, I was a full-time student. Mm. I was teaching six different subjects Wow! and I did it. I completed it. Oh my gosh. And at the end of the school year, I even found out from another teacher that they're, um, in Puerto Rico, they call it the college board because they also include Spanish in it, but they're college board math scores generally went a little bit up wow. and through that same year there a hurricane passed mm. so even through all that the scores increased a little bit and it hadn't happened wow. for the last four years wow that's amazing so i was i was like yes i did this this is amazing Ooh. that's crazy that was my first year of teaching oh my gosh <laughs> You know, hearing about these experiences, it makes me realize you're very well prepared for what we're going through right now. Because you went through <laughs> the hurricane in Puerto Rico. You went through online school. Do you think going through any of those experiences kind of helped you deal with um, teaching online right now? Um, I think it did because I'm pretty flexible. So since in my life I move so often, whenever there's a shift in anything, I'm able to, I'm pretty flexible and I'm and I'm able to accommodate. Um, there are still struggles, but it's like we're gonna get through this. Mm. In two, three years, this, this, it won't be like this. Yeah, it won't be like this. So right now, just going with the wave and doing the best I can. That's awesome. How do you not let that bring you down? Right, because there are so many times when things don't go your way. Like you can plan all the things that you want to plan, but plans change. You know what I mean? And you have to be flexible, but sometimes the mere fact that you have to be so flexible because there's nothing else you can do can be such a downer. So I'm just so amazed by you that you can have this positivity and this optimism where like, well, you know what? It may be like this right now, but it's going to get better. Like, do you think there was something in your life that has given you this spirit of being so resilient or do you think like what do you think that really attributes what attributed to your um just optimism in, in life I guess the only thing I can think about is during my early stages of life <laughs> <laughs> um I felt like there was always a point that I was pretty, it, everything was going really well. And I felt that there was going to be a point where everything crashes mm. either because we have to either like move again or at home, we don't have um, income for this, or there's a discussion, anything like that. I felt like at any point it was going to be really good and there was going to be really bad. And in those bad moments, I would remind myself, it's not forever. It's not forever. Mm. So like we can get through what's it's not forever right now we're going through this and I guess I at times numbed myself from it which is which isn't something I we should do right now <laughs> as adults but that's from when I was younger right now that going through that I'm like okay this is how I feel about it how am I going to work with it mm. I feel like this what are the next steps I'm going to do mm. nice so going through that experience of like a roller coaster and now we're in a roller coaster with the whole pandemic <laughs> yeah. and virtual school and all that stuff i'm like okay what can i do and what can i not do what's in my control mm. i don't have this in my control i can prepare for it but i'm going to have to be ready to change my plans mm. and if my plans don't succeed i don't look at it as failure i look at it from from a perspective of what can i learn from this mm. yeah so that's, I take everything more as a learning experience. Mm. And I also accept the, the emotions I feel at the moment. Mm. I'm like, I'm mad at this. Mm. I'm like, okay, I'm mad. 
but what can I do? <laughs> You're such an evolved human being. <laughs> That's literally something that we try to talk about with our little ones. So I, um, this summer when I was working with my one-year-olds, we were really trying to have conversations about feelings. And the conversations I'm having with my one-year-old are the same conversations that I'm still having with fifth graders. Because <laughs> we did have a student um, yesterday who was having really big feelings, really big <laughs> emotions virtually. So, I mean, one of the, the biggest mantras on our podcast now is like, I see you and I hear you, you know? So I had to go through the motion of like validating the student's feelings and understanding like, yes, that's really frustrating right now. How are you feeling? And then it's just so apparent to me that the need for recognizing emotions and then thinking to yourself, okay, what can I do about it is really important. And it's a skill that yeah. is something that we constantly need to work on. It doesn't come naturally at all, mm. you know? Yeah. And I feel like that's something, especially during this pandemic, everything that's going on, having trying to find the silver lining and everything is so important. Something that I also need to keep practicing because it can get tough sometimes. But <laughs> it's amazing that you're able, you've noticed that, you recognize that at such a young age. So props to you. <laughs> mm. Yeah, and that's amazing because I think it's hard, especially for a lot of Asian guys and being able to acknowledge your emotions. Because for us, I feel like a lot of times we'll feel things, but we'll just like push it down, push it down and not think about it. But I feel like one thing that you said that's amazing is you have to be able to accept the way you feel and acknowledge it and learn from it. And that's something that I'm still trying to work on, you know, and trying to get better at. Um, but hopefully, you know, we can all start incorporating that into our lives. I wish we, I wish, I really wish from a young age, we wouldn't teach boys that like suppress your feelings right? and, and that really sucks yeah. that like, that's something that we, that's something that a lot of people still teach yeah. mm -hmm. their kids. Mm -hmm. Don't cry. Mm -hmm. You're a boy. Yeah. What is that? Yeah, it's that whole it's that? that whole like man up kind of mentality, mm -hmm. right? Um, yeah, and I think Derek's like you're super spot on the whole like uh, Asian male uh, demeanors to really suppress because we learned like you learned that from like your fathers, right? It's mm -hmm. like that uh, it's that whole like male superiority kind yeah. of complex, right? Where that comes from, and you know. That's that's pretty crazy, yeah. And I think Liz, what you're saying about the whole, like, you know, going through the motions and and but really like accepting and all that, um, it's something, yeah, it's something that I think I've been working on too, um, especially when you have to like be, uh, I think like for a lot of us, we're, like be like we're in certain leadership positions where we kind of have to be uh, like a guiding light in certain situations right especially now during the pandemic now we got fires mm -hmm. uh you know <laughs> and it's crazy it's like you know one thing after the other right we got thunderstorms and lightning <laughs> and hail <laughs> and hail like uh, next thing you know we're gonna have a blizzard <laughs> <laughs> and people and people will still say there's no global warming happening okay <laughs> but that's another i guess conversation um but liz you know i was really curious um because i think we've asked I think we've had so we've had Monica on, we've had James Wilson on, so we've had you know a good amount of like the Puerto Rican crew, right? I don't even. I'm just giving you guys a, a group name, and you know that's not even what y'all call yourselves. But uh, I think we asked James, and we also asked Monica, kind of like your first impressions of each other, kind of in that sense. Um, cause but so how was it like on your perspective, just like hanging out with them, um, getting to meet them, and then now like you guys are, you know, you guys all came here. And, uh, you know, and now you guys are all in this same area. I mean, you know, it's a little different now because we're all virtually meeting and stuff like that. But I guess how is that growth of that friendship um, from from your time in Puerto Rico and now here in, in the Bay Area? Yeah, now you're the Bay Area crew. <laughs> yeah, the Bay Area crew. <laughs> so, so in Puerto Rico, we actually didn't hang out much. I had classes with Monica, so we we spoke from time to time. But we came to be more friends here. Oh, wow. And I started to talk more with Monica during the practicum, during the teaching, the student teaching experience. Mm -hmm. That's when we spoke the most because um, she would talk about her practicum. I would talk about mine. What are, um, that's how they call it in Puerto Rico, by the way, the student teaching, the mm -hmm. practicum. Um, 
So we would talk about our student teaching experiences. She was doing hers at a private school, if I remember correctly. And we were just talking about that. Uh, and then James, I remember James being the computer tutor. <laughs> he would tutor people like how to do their computer assignments. Mr. James. Uh, the, the teachers loved, the professors loved James. They love, love, love James. And everybody would go to James for like advice on homework. Um, yeah, that we didn't really hang out much. We came to hang out a lot more here in the Bay Area because we were going to the same church. We Ooh. we knew the university we were we were from. <laughs> yeah, that's so crazy because I think everyone just assumes y'all were like the closest of friends. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, I think when, when you guys came to visit, James would just introduce, like, oh, yeah, um, these are the guys, like, I went to school with. and Or, like, these are my friends <laughs> I went to school with. So, I think I think a lot of people assume, like, for me, I assumed that you guys were pretty close mm. uh, in Puerto Rico. Um, but, like, you know, just shattered the glass. And, you know, maybe maybe they all felt like they were really good, close friends with you. <laughs> and, and then, oh my god no we were we're more friends now than we were in college yeah that's awesome <laughs> i think it also is because um you were you mentioned the hurricane earlier right um you guys yeah. do have that in common where you yeah went through you witnessed and had to live through a natural disaster like that so i guess in our minds yeah. it's like oh my gosh like they went through that together wow that's crazy which is why in our minds we were thinking like man those are some good friends they have they have good friends <laughs> yeah. good thing they had each other yeah. <laughs> i feel like i heard from monica during the whole hurricane experience i feel like during the semester i heard from her but I don't remember like hearing from James, mm. and it's because <laughs> like James, where's James? <laughs> um, but I I remember hearing like at least knowing like Monica's in class. Like I do mm. I I do remember that. But everybody was going through the first through similar struggles. Um, Monica and and Giovanni. Yeah, Giovanni, they had the same class of investigation, and that class, you have to type the investigation. Mm. So imagine having no electricity and having to go through that. So I remember Monica talking about that experience. Wow. Because we had education classes together. Mm. So, yeah, that's that's that was very stressful for her, I remember. (laughs) And for yeah. oh my goodness, that is amazing! I remember Gio telling me the story about how like he was driving or he was driving somewhere, but the water was like literally sweeping cars down the road, and trees are falling over, buildings are falling over. So you guys went through some intense stuff. Um, yeah. Oh my god, let me just say this because this is funny. Okay, so after the hurricane, I, I'm from I've, I'm from Florida. I wasn't born in Florida, but I was raised there. And we have hurricanes in Florida. It's not the first time I see a hurricane. And the thing is that in the projects where I used to live in Puerto Rico, the buildings are concrete. Mm-hmm. And we we were we were lucky because in our surrounding area, the, the ocean came in. It didn't come into our buildings. It came to the surrounding oh, areas. Wow. So it's like from left and right, water came in, but not oh, us. Wow. So, and we don't have a lot of trees either oh. in that building, in, in those, near those buildings, right? So I didn't see a lot of the trees that had fallen down. So I wake up my brother the next day and Giovanni is like a walking distance, 30 minutes. So I didn't want to walk alone. And I wake up my brother and I tell my brother, hey, <laughs> let's go, let's go walk into Walgreens. I think they're open. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> the thing is that Giovanni <laughs> Giovanni lived close to a Walgreens. So if I told my brother, I'm gonna buy you some snacks. <laughs> so I we walk I walked we walked all the way to Walgreens. It was closed. <laughs> and then when we're at Walgreens, I'm like, hey, what about if we just like go visit Giovanni? Like we should just go pass by. Because I was curious to see how he was after the whole hurricane. And I turned the corner. Oh my God, the cables, the trees. It was, it looked 
it was tangled like i don't know i don't know how else to explain it imagine a whole road imagine a whole road with trees and cables on the floor and the thing is in puerto rico that the cables they're they're like knotted with the trees oh my gosh so when the tree falls a bunch of other cables fall down with it and it's like it 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 looks like a huge knot Wow. wow So I I see people like jumping through the trees, through the cables, and I don't know I, I don't know what I was thinking at the moment, but I was like, "Hey, yeah, let's pass through that." Oh my goodness. <laughs> so we passed the- <laughs> Of course. So we passed through that. We we made it. We made it safely. And then we get to Giovanni's building. I wake up Giovanni. They're fine. Um they're fine at all. And then when he gets his car to take us back home, and he sees everything that we walked through. He's like, "Oh my god, you guys went through that!" <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that's. A, I thought that was a funny story to say because I, I, I kind of I lied to my friend on the whole walk so thing. <laughs> and that day, Giovanni knew that I really. Oh, <laughs> so cute. True love. True love. I don't know if hey, I would have yeah. I, I don't think I would have gone through cables. <laughs> oh my god! I would have been like, if that was me, I'd be like, okay, how can I go around this thing? Yeah. Maybe is it There worth no me around. going through this? <laughs> Rachel would have just gone the home. Thing yeah, is that phones weren't working. Oh, like yeah, phones weren't working. Oh, wow. So I, yeah, so I couldn't even a text message or a call wouldn't get to him. Dang. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Dang. Well, you guys have been through a lot together then. <laughs> Natural <Yeah>. disasters. Yeah. <laughs> and then a pandemic now. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> oh my. Um I kind of <laughs> wanted to talk to you about um just what sort of things that you're passionate about besides education because you and I can go on and on and on about that topic like, you know, <laughs> if you And I and Monica were, you know, grouped together, which I hope we will in the future. Maybe we'll have our own podcast. We could go on and on about education. I wanted to know what sort of things you were also passionate about, because I know that you've been vocal about a lot of issues that have been coming up um, during this whole pandemic. And I can see that there you have such a strong voice in all of that. So I was wondering where if you'd kind of expand on revelations that you've had during this pandemic um things that you feel really strongly about if there's anything that you'd like to share with us about that I feel like those are two <laughs> okay take take it apart how you will um what was the first part that I said something I'm yeah. interested besides talking. yeah and then, and then you yeah. talked about Yeah, okay, sorry. I loved everything okay. together. Sorry, my mind is kind of in a jumble right now. What are the things are you really passionate about? Let's start with that. I feel if I feel I'm pretty passionate about um social justice, but that is in education. Mm-hmm. So, let, ne- so besides math. education, <laughs> besides education, I'm also very passionate about mm-hmm. math. I love math. And um there's there's not a lot of women mm-hmm. in it and there have been experiences that I'm like where I've where I've been told yeah the professor let you turn the homework like that because you're a girl mm. um or or recently um I was in a training I was one of the there were only two girls present And the professor would constantly be like, oh, turn on your camera. I want to see your pretty oh faces. Gosh. Oh, let me see your pretty faces. Uh. And I got out the second day. I was like, nope, this is, this is not, I'm not going to continue with this. But in math, that happens a lot. Like that is something. And I, and I, there were times that I've been wanting to do my doctorate in math for a really long time. And there were times that I was like, am I really willing to go through all that? Mm. Like seven, like five, seven years. because I have to do mm. my master's because I did my bachelor's in education math. Am I really willing to go through that for more years? And I told myself, okay, 
I need to do this. I need to do this because there's not a there's not a lot of Latina women in in mm-hmm. math. Like there's not, and so there's not a lot of um, Latinos or Hispanics in math here in this here in the states. And I feel like I need to take that step because I can't let those experiences be the reasons why I don't do what I want to do. And at the same time, seeing more people like me might be, might open the door for others. Like seeing it, seeing it more often, like, oh yeah, um, there's, Hispanics that love math. Yeah. And you're not the only one, right? <laughs> so, There's plenty of people yeah, out there. I'm not. Yeah, I don't I don't wanna have um I don't wanna say that me going into it will be like more for others. I mean, but the thing is it's not you're not wrong about that. You know what I mean? It's like you want okay. you want to set an example and you, we want to perpetuate this idea that one women can be in math. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, two, especially women of color, right? Yeah. Um, are even rarer mm. in those fields, right? Yeah. They and are. the fact that you're willing to tackle that right now with all of the stigma and stereotypes and biases yeah. within that field, the the mentality that you have, I think, is really great, and I think we need that, mm. right? We can't get to the point where we can be equitable for all people if we aren't able to overcome those types of challenges and it'll be super tough like I just can't even imagine going through what you went through like oh my goodness my heart breaks for you but you're so strong (laughs) I I feel like I cannot look at my students and be like oh yeah I didn't I didn't do what I wanted to do this whole time because I was pushed out of it because I would tell my students, no, you got to go, even if they push you out, you got to mm-hmm. continue and go through, like continue, don't let anybody stop you. So I feel like I I need to do this. I need to do this doctorate because it's not only for me, but it's for mm-hmm. my students. Like, how can I look at my students and be like, yeah, you should be doing this if mm-hmm. I'm not doing yeah. it as well. That's amazing. Yeah. And it's so inspiring hearing from you because you're someone who um is so bold and so willing to stand up for what you believe in and you really inspired me during the whole like black lives matter protests and stuff because i was kind of thinking about going out and i was like i don't know about the virus or whatever or whatnot you know what i mean i know there's a bunch of people out there um but i i knew you and a couple other people were going and you know i joined along with you guys and i went to my first protest ever and that's something that i probably wouldn't have done if it wasn't for you and um and our, our other church family um, and so I did kind of want to ask you about that and kind of what is like your history in terms of just like protesting and being a voice in terms of um, what things you see wrong in the community and, and being a voice in the community and things like that. Have you had a lot of experience with that? And if not, what was it like having your first time protesting here? Um, so I've been pretty vocal. And when it comes to the people around me, this during the Black Lives Matter protest was actually one of the first times I protested. Um, I did a lot in, I never protested in my university because, and I don't know where they, I don't know where this is written, but every student says, oh, we already signed the papers. We can't protest. Uh, I don't know where they get that from. I, I want to read it. I want to read it where, where in my university we get that from because a lot of the students in my university have wanted to protest because they're very classist. Mm. Like the more connections you have, the more money, the more power you have, the better you're treated. If you are not, if you're coming from outside of the island, that's not US. So if you're coming from a different country, you're basically last oh in line. And in during, during the hurricane, we saw a lot of mm. messed up stuff. Like the university would tell the parents, they're okay, they're okay. But when you would talk with the students, it was a different mm. story, a complete different story. I knew I knew students that were washing their clothes with the pool mm. water from our university. So they have a lot of. But then when you went to the when you went to some of their some of the school leaders' houses, 
they had their water, they had their um, generators, they were fine. They didn't need anything. And not, not only that, but there are certain things that happen in the university where it's like, why, why is it okay for that person, but not okay for me? Is it because I don't know anybody? And then if you, yeah, it was, uh, we were, we were pretty vocal about it, me and, and some of my, my other friends, but, and I guess from that moment and from moving here to California, where I barely know anybody except now <laughs> I know you guys, <laughs> um, I'm, de- I have definitely become a lot more vocal. I'm like, no, I, I need to, if I don't agree with something, I need to say it and I need to know why. I don't I don't like I don't like being shut mm-hmm. down or or um quieted yeah. down. And this I feel like there's this culture of brushing things under the rug, right? For too long yeah. things have been like hidden underneath something, you know, hush hush and things have not yeah. been you know <laughs> talked about and it's so important that we do talk about it, right? And all it takes is one person in a group to say something and it can turn into like the messiest conversation ever, but at least the conversation <laughs> happened. Right. Um, shoot. You know, I, re- I might reinsert this in the education part. Cause I'm just really curious. Like, where does your love for math come from? Cause, um, Oh, yeah, cause I hate math. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually, in eighth grade, I actually failed algebra one. I had to repeat in high school. <laughs> and I love telling my kids this story because now that I'm teaching and I'm like, a lot of them, a lot of my students, they feel like I love math. They're like, Miss, you love math. <laughs> um, but I, I tell them, you know, I, and when they tell me I suck at math, you know, I failed math, right? I failed math in, in eighth grade, had to redo it in, in ninth grade. And when I redid it, um, and I took things step by step, and I understood a lot more, I became more passionate about it, because I'm like, I understand this really difficult thing. Like, now that I take it step by step, I understand it. And I don't, I don't think there's like a, a math talent I guess you could say like you know how people are like oh they're they're a math kid Mm -hmm. they're a math student that doesn't exist that doesn't exist you just have to have the patience with yourself of taking it Mm -hmm. step by step and persevering through a problem so math is a lot like real life if you look at a problem what's a step-by-step solution what do you do Mm -hmm. first how do you because there are different ways to solve a math problem right so how do you solve it okay I would take this first step Second step, third step. Do these steps look logical? Yes, they look logical. They took me to an answer. Okay, let's see if this answer is the correct one. It's not. Okay, now let's go back and learn from my mistake. Where did I go wrong? Oh, this is where I went wrong. Let me redo it again. I got it right. So it's a lot like it's a lot like real life where you plan something. And mm-hmm. we were talking about this earlier. You plan something, you fail at it, mm-hmm. you go back. So a lot of a lot of people when they do math and they fail at it this the the first time mm-hmm. they're like I'm bad at it yeah. that's it but no you got to go back and see where yeah. you went wrong and if you don't get it you do a bunch of research you ask mm-hmm. people you just yeah. you gotta solve it like you have in real like you have to do in real life you gotta solve yeah, it yeah that's one of the reasons why I also love math um, math has always been one of my favorite subjects in school. And, you know, it, it was always a stereotype like, oh, you're Asian. Of course, you're good at math. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I got a C in um, algebra in eighth grade as well. <laughs> uh, but I grew to love it because sometimes all it takes is a teacher, right? Mm. Sometimes all it takes is a teacher to help you understand the complexity of math. But then in that complexity, there's a logic, Right. And I think I'm very logically driven. So I love that part about math is that there is a logic behind everything. And as long as I can understand that logic and keep practicing it, things will fall into place. Um, So that's one of the reasons why I love math. And I'm just so glad that there are other women out there (laughs) 
who love math mm-hmm. and are just pushing for more women in math. And I love, 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 love that. Because yes. um, many, maybe some people don't know, but statistically speaking, um, at around like fourth grade, a lot of girls in school tend to be really shut off from the maths and sciences. And then they start to prefer um, more abstract, open-ended subjects like writing, even like social studies. Mm -hmm. And for me, that always irritated me because I'm just like, why, why are we not encouraging more students, more girls to be like, okay, maybe math is a little hard sometimes, but I want to get better. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I feel like for too long, we've looked at math as something you either get it or you don't get it. Same with the sciences, right? Like Mm -hmm. you either get it or you don't. And then that's it. Um, so I'm just so glad that there are teachers like you out there, Liz, who are so passionate about this and is such a great model for her students, you know, saying that, like, you can persevere and you can get through it. And that's so important. Yeah, no, you just have to go through the steps again, and again, and again. You can't give up. You can't give up. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, so do you ma- uh, mainly just teach math? Or are you teaching any other subjects? I teach math, mm. only math. The only science I ever taught was physics during my first year. Physics oh, is gotcha. also a type of math. I loved physics too. It, yeah, I loved physics. I loved physics. <laughs> that is one science I would actually love to teach. I feel like it's so interesting being the two what? ladies on the podcast today are the ones that are so passionate about <laughs> these subjects, whereas Shane and Derek are like, ew, gross. <laughs> You guys make me feel like I have to go back and retake calculus now. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Well, you're welcome to come into my class. Maybe if I had you as my teacher, I would have done way better. (laughs) You know, we actually did find, um, because we were, like, cleaning out our rooms and stuff recently. We found our old, um, or his old calculus notes and Mm -hmm. stuff, and I was looking it over, and I was like, oh, my goodness. It's been so long since I've had to do, like, high-level math. Mm that I'm like looking at like the word derivative and like for the longest time I knew what derivative was, you know what I mean? And I knew it, but then I was looking at those notes and I was like, do I still know what that is? (laughs) (laughs) It just went too long. I'm like talking about addition, subtraction, maybe multiplication with my elementary school kids. Right. But literally looking at that word derivative, I was like, Oh my goodness. It's been way too long since I've looked at something like this. Just hearing that word stresses me out. But here's the thing. You as a teacher and and you teaching math, you're preparing mm-hmm. them for that level of math. Mm-hmm. Like it starts at a young age. Like they need to they need to be fluent in fractions, subtractions, their negatives, their net positives. Like that is something that mm-hmm. they need in calculus. So you are preparing them for yes. that high level math. It's all connected. <laughs> Yes. If you weren't teaching math, would you think, would there be another subject, like a close second that you'd be uh, willing to teach? I would honestly do physics. Mm-hmm. I would. I, I would not do chemistry just because I don't, li- I don't really like <laughs> chemistry. Either. And biology, I feel like it's, it's okay. I mean, it can be fun, but... It's a lot of memorization. Same. I don't like to memorize things, which is why I love math. I don't mm. have to memorize things. Um, I might have gotten into mm. history. Interesting. That's a yeah. One. And that was something I was before. I just, so when I decided I wanted to be a teacher, I was between math and history. But I got a really good I got I scored in the 99th percentile in my wow. math section in the college Dang. board. And it, it's like in Puerto Rico again, they call it college board, uh-huh. but it's an uh-huh. SAT, but it includes a Spanish section. So I scored in the 99th percentile and I was so proud of myself because I had um funny story about that, just a, like a sub funny story. So this is something that I'm super proud of because I was at a private school. So I was... um Someone was paying my tuition to go to that private school and everybody else was getting Mm. tutored. Everybody else was getting tutoring and they were paying like $200 for that tutoring. 
but I did my family did not have the money for that. So the secretary of the school, she she calls me and she's like, Don't tell anybody I'm giving you this. And she hands me the biggest package ever. And it was for the the college oh, wow. entry exams. So I studied all those pages like wow. day and night. You could see me uh-huh. eating that wow. book. <laughs> And um, because of that, and I'm so thankful to her, I was able to score into the 99th percentile. I was, I believe I was the top wow. scorer that year in math for, in my, in my, um, mm. in my school. And again, 99th percentile means I'm like top <laughs> in the whole island. So I was so proud. I was like, oh my God, look at this. <laughs> I was not expecting it. When I opened it, I was expecting like 500 something, 600 something. I was not expecting 700 something. (laughs) So then that, looking at that score, and I was already tutoring my friends with math. I was like, let's just go with math because it's not only because I liked it, but also in the future, I was going to be able to find an easier Mm -hmm. job in math than I was in history. Dang. Well, it's been so inspiring to hear from you, and we're kind of running short on time, so we're going to close soon. But I did kind of want to hear from some last closing thoughts from you for people um, who are going through these crazy times because you have so many amazing, diverse experiences. You have such a strong heart. Um, And so do you have any any things that you want to leave people with um, as they're going through these times? Um. Number one, plan, but be ready to change those plans at any moment. Um, Number two, I always say this, your today is not your tomorrow. So today we're going through this, but in a couple, I I think in a a year, two years, this will be a story Mm -hmm. you tell. So again, your today isn't your tomorrow. That's, That's what I'm living by. Man, thank you. That is awesome, especially for me, who is, you know, just coming out of a failure and trying to go back at it again and trying to pick myself up and trying to go through struggles and face things that I've been bad at um, and trying to learn from my mistakes. Um, It's been amazing to hear from you. So thank you so much for taking the time this Saturday to talk with us and tell us your story. We're so glad. Yeah, of course. If you want to come back and talk again about something else, that would be amazing too. We'll talk about, you know, your journey going forward through whatever doctor program you get into. And I'm sure that'll be a fun conversation too. But thank you so much. Um, And I just want to say thank you so much to our listeners who tuned in this week. Um, Please continue to do so. Thank you so much for supporting us. Share it with your friends and your family and whoever else you think um, may learn from something from this. Um, so thank you guys once again, and we'll hear see you, see you next week on Niche on Niche.